Hey, this is Stories from the C-Suite. Each month, we bring you the different stories of how amazing people made it to the top of their field, how their backgrounds helped them achieve what they are doing currently and what the future will hold for them. I'm Tom Coates, and I will be your guide. In this episode, you get to hear the story about Anavia McLean. You may know her as V, because very few people can actually pronounce Anavia. You're going to love her story. She's amazing. There's nothing slow or timid about her. She is explosive, and it's wonderful. But first, I want to make sure that you remember that in October, on October 24th, is this year's Unstuck Business Conference. We have eight speakers that are going to bring you amazing information. It's going to be a time for good fellowship, good networking, and great info. You don't want to miss that. Go to our website at csweetbiz.com and look for information on it, and we will keep you posted. Anavia, thank you so much for being a... And oh my goodness, I did it again. What? How many years have we known each other? Many, many years. And I have been screwing up your name from the very beginning. Yeah. But you still love me. I I do. I do still love you. But it's Anavia. It is Anavia. But it's really interesting. Like when you say Anavia, it almost sounds wrong. You (laughs) saying it because you said Anavia for so long. There are certain people in my life that say Anavia and I just let it. I'm just like, yeah, that's what you call me. And I respond. And you are one of those few people, Tom. I'm just like, yep. It's something about the bow tie and the southern accent that it just—it sounds wrong when you say I it know, the right Anavia, way. I know out of this voice sounds weird. Yeah, Anavia sounds like we're cousins. <laughs> you turned way—you turned the southern accent way up on that last sentence. I know, there. I, just I did. Dialed did it up no. to 10, oh, I could do that. Yeah. My son's called the—the—it's the, called mirroring. Mm-hmm. You're not—you you don't have that, but I will dial it up. Mm-hmm. At the appropriate time. Yeah. All right. So you're right. We have known each other forever. Most people call you V. They do. It's a lot easier. So much easier. But I like calling you by your name. Um. Here's what we do in this this podcast. Yep. We share the story. Mm-hmm. And it, it's and you're familiar C Suite. You've been there before. Love for you to come. You know that everybody gets their six minutes to tell their story, what's in their heart, what makes them different, what are they passionate about. Let people peek into your heart. Yeah. This is what this is. So we want to hear your story. And I know part of it. Mm -hmm. So I know the part where you're the member manager. Uh, Yeah, way back when. Yeah, at a private club. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... And then you went from there, and I watched you start your business. Yeah. And it was amazing, and you have not slowed down a second. You probably think you <sighs> no, have. No, I have not. <laughs> but it's it's just been a, so much fun to watch. Thank you. And it's I, I cannot sing enough praises for you. It's just Thank amazing you. and wonderful. Everybody else needs to hear that. Okay, so I was born into how, how far how far back does this story go I was go, born Tom? on the banks of the Mississippi born... River actually I was by the way were you yes. just on the bank just well on the bluff above the river yeah in a hospital well it was Baptist Hospital in okay. Memphis then let's calm down with your with your tall tales here 
I was born in a, no, I was born in Toledo. Um, we lived in Cleveland until I was 10, and then we moved down to Nashville. Okay. And so uh, I went to Hendersonville High School, Volunteer State Community College, and got my associates in communication. And around uh, about that time, I was offered a job at a private country club. And so I took that full-time position. I was interested in event management and a lot of people, just really love people. Yeah. And one of the reasons I went to community college instead of like a full um, uh, four-year college to start was that I wanted to to find that passion. So this mm-hmm. like, what's your passion you're talking about? That did not come to me in some like magic bolt of lightning when I was 17, when they're like, pick your career. Like, you know, you you can't smoke or drink or vote or whatever, but like you should know what you want to do for the for rest, the of, rest your of your life. For the rest of your life, And yes. you should be ready to spend like forty to $120,000 on it anyway. So instead, I went to school and I got offered this really great job. And so I went to be the private events manager at Old Hickory Country Club and learned a lot there, was there for almost three years. And uh, through a series of, of circumstances, made the decision to move over to, like you said, the Nashville City Club. Mm-hmm. So I was there for almost four years. I started as the membership director and then they created a position for me as the sales and marketing manager. So okay. I sort of... I'm one of those people that um, we say get bleep done, as we were saying before, how bleep it out for your so to, <laughs> he doesn't have to do that. Um, basically, the the mentality was always, well, I can do that. Yeah. Well, I can do that. Oh, you need that done? I can do that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I just had, I had created this sort of new job, um, which is fun and exciting. And mm-hmm. then I sort of did that again and kept evolving until I was sort of the um, the manager of the club. So. Uh, they didn't have a GM position. It was like an AGM, but that's it was operations for the club. And so I was doing that at 28 years old. And at 28 years old, I kind of looked at it and went, well, this is the highest that this career ladder goes. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, it does. So the only way to... So I've plateaued at 28. Hmm. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I could have moved to like a larger corporate management team or something like that over multiple clubs, but that wasn't really speaking to my soul. It just wasn't, yeah. it wasn't clicking. And so uh, I tell this at C-Suite and I am very transparent about um, mental health. And so I feel... Sometimes it makes people a little uncomfortable, but I speak really openly about mental health and those challenges because I believe that it's part of beating the stigma around mental health. So when I was 28 and I had been in the private club industry for almost nine years, I was clinically depressed. I was having panic attacks, anxiety all the time. I was basically miserable. I would have to like drag myself out of bed every morning to go into work. I would put on a brave face at work and smile, but I was pretty miserable. And then uh, would go home and basically just veg out on the couch and watch, you know, TV, like just depression symptoms. And uh, like I said, mixed with a few panic attacks in there and all that stuff. So I realized that there wasn't, my soul wasn't being served. Right. And I had to find something different. So it wasn't just about plateauing in the industry at 28. It was about I had reached the end of that part of my journey and I needed to make a step into something else. So um, someone that I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with is uh, John Boyens. And um, I'm going to do my best not to tear up when I talk about John Boyens because you know what John Boyens means to me. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, So he and his late wife, Cindy, are just phenomenal people. Mm -hmm. And uh At the time, I didn't know him that well. He was just somebody I had met networking, and I'm a big fan of networking. So I called him and I said, hey, can I pick your brain for 30 minutes? And he was so nice. He took the meeting. 
he didn't charge me, which was very important because I was very broke. But um, <laughs> he uh, he just kind of gave me some really great advice about finding your passion. And he said, you know, make a list of everything that you do uninterrupted, close the office door, make a list of everything that you do and have done for your past jobs from managing a P&L all the way down to ordering office supplies and everything in between. And then when you have done all of that and you write it out so that you have that sort of emotional reaction to each item, you rank them in the order that you love doing them. So like pick your very favorite thing on the list and then your next and your next. And he said, when you get to like the fourth or fifth thing, just stop and go find a job that is only those things. And then he said, and this is what impacted me, if you can't find a job like that, make one. Right. And that is literally the life-changing 30 minutes of my of my journey. Uh, so I went back to the office and I did that within the week and I realized that the things that I was doing in that industry, that private club industry, just they didn't fit any of the things that, you know, some of the little pieces had, but it, it wasn't me. Um, so I, I eventually left there. I worked for a startup. I worked as an independent contractor, but I didn't find my way super quickly. So I was still networking, but I didn't have... I didn't have that definition yet, and I ended up on unemployment, and so that depression and those panic attacks got kind of worse, so I was out of the city club for about, I guess, nine months, Um, and it just kept getting worse and worse, and literally was on unemployment, like, crying in my spare bedroom, going, what am I going to do, and looking at LinkedIn, looking at Indeed, and Craigslist, just going, like, you know, where am I going to get a job? Right. In the meantime, I had been networking at the Southeast Business Forums. Yes. And all of the lovely people we know from the Southeast Business Forums, many of them started to, I mean, and I say this very, like, I think they were just trying to throw me a bone. So it was like they knew that I was kind of in a bad spot and like I was still out trying and they would be like, oh, well, can you help me with my brochure? Or like, hey, like, maybe you could take a look at my website or like, what do you think about this strategy for marketing? And something about the second or third or fourth one of those people to ask was Mm -hmm. enough for me to go, well, where, why don't these people have this resource already? Like, why are they coming to me as some unemployed, like, where is that resource? And so this was five plus years ago. There were Mm -hmm. a lot fewer independent marketing companies in Nashville. And so I realized that like those small business owners really needed a resource. So I just planted a flag in the sand and said, hey, I do that now. And for some reason, people just bought that and started hiring me for stuff. And I was like, okay, like, this is awesome. So, um, so yeah, so I sent an email out to everybody in my network and just said, hey, I do marketing as a, as a consultant, like mm-hmm. independent contractor now, if you know anybody. Right. Um, and it was, you know, in the beginning of a small business, it's always very, uh, take everything you can get. So it was like for $200 a month, I'll do your email marketing and your social media and I'll clean your toilet while I'm at your house. Like (laughs) it was that kind of desperation. Um, But within six months I had 17 clients. And so I had to hire um, one of my, my very first hire was Jaleesa. She worked with me at the city club. She lives in Michigan. She's still with our company five plus years later. Uh, And, you know, started to get help and started to really hone in on who the audience is. But In the past five years, my main goal with the company has not been rapid expansion or gross revenue or client count. It's our our number one core company principle is happiness, period. Like literally it reads one, happiness, period. 
And the goal here was not, um, obviously, we want our clients to be happy, but it's sort of based off of the Southwest Airlines, the Google, the Netflix model of mm-hmm. internal like team happiness right. is the priority. So I realized- Well, your service model is a direct reflection exactly. of your team. Exactly. And so, you know, when you focus on your team first, worrying about customer service is, I mean, rare. If anything, I'm usually telling my team like, hey, like dial back the extra services that they haven't paid for. I know that we really like taking care of our our customers, but like we got to, you know, we got to make sure that we're staying with our, like that sort of thing. So um, when I started the company and I went, okay, if I want to keep doing this, I'm going to have to hire people. I said, I don't want to have a work environment that's like the ones that I've been in before. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the cause or the, you know, the environment that causes someone to become depressed or to be anxious or to be nervous about talking to their boss or to feel like they can't be honest with their team or, you know, that they have to give bad service in order to meet number goals. And I wanted, I I sort of wanted the cake and I wanted to eat it too. So. Well, your service, service model is not the matrix. And you're, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the matrix, but it's a service model where the, the, you do this, this, and this, and then tomorrow you have to do this, this, and this. Then you do this, this, and this, and you just check off the matrix as you go about. Yeah. It, there, there's no checks with that. It's things are checked off, things to do, but it's, it's not. It's a tool, not the driving force. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, when we're doing, when we're focusing on our company culture, and we do cultivate that, um, there's uh, a lot of, and I can't even, I feel so bad, I can't remember who said it, uh, but basically a lot of the entrepreneur organization, uh, the EO, Mm -hmm. uh, I've been meeting a lot of their members recently, Mm -hmm. because I've recently graduated the Catalyst program with Michael Bertram at the EC, which has been phenomenal. So I'm getting to meet all these EO members and several of them told me about this gentleman and I have it noted in my notebook at home, but I can't recall, but he kind of, I guess he did a program for the EO members and he said, you have a company culture, like whether you're working on it or not, you either have a company culture by default and it just is what it is mm-hmm. and it's making it or you're cultivating it and creating it a specific way with a specific vision. But it, just because you're not paying attention to it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's sort of the concept. And so... We're a remote company, so one of the reasons that we not only you know serve our clients better but also keep costs down is we don't have the overhead of an office and all of the things that go along with that. Um, so our culture has to be really focused on and cultivated because everyone works remote. We have people working for us from Florida to California to Michigan, Nashville, Georgia, I mean, everywhere. Right. So you know we have to be very specific about focusing on that happiness. Um, so that's really like that's – my passion. My passion is helping small business owners specifically. There's plenty of companies that help larger businesses, which is awesome, but I've been there. I've been on the unemployment. I've been growing a small business. I've been, yeah, a lot of people don't know private clubs are nonprofits, not 501c3s, but like a different classification of nonprofit. Okay. So like when you're managing a nonprofit, there's never really a lot of money and they're trying to, it's like managing a small business. Like you yeah. got to figure out how to make a lot work with a little. And so 
my whole career having been in that, it's just sort of the natural part of my passion is to help that segment of people Mm -hmm. um, and sort of that, you know, backbone of America, the small business owner, the mom and pop franchise owners and entrepreneurs. So a lot of that happens through teaching, which is I discovered really in the last 24 months that like as we've been growing and scaling our business, the teaching is really the thing that lights me up. Yeah, you. How did you end up speaking at the HubSpot? Uh, at Inbound? Yes. Yeah. So that was something that uh, that came across, you know, my inbox, and I applied for it. Uh, so HubSpot is, you know, the big CRM. Their Inbound conference is huge every mm-hmm. year. Uh, last year I spoke it in September. It's been almost a year, uh, and that was in Boston. And so they were, you know, I was one of the select few um, breakout speakers that they, that they chose. So that was actually kind of funny. I flew up, and I thought it was going to be – I way underestimated. I hadn't been to the conference before. I thought it was going to be like 40 or 50 people in a row. Oh, no. Well, because I was a breakout, right? So I was like, it's not a big deal. And I showed up with like a box that had like some business cards in it. And like, I was very well prepared with my presentation. But like, I got there and I went to check in and I was like, hey, like what room am I in? And what, you know, and and she said, oh, you're in this one around the corner. And I said, oh, okay. Do you mind me asking how many people are registered so I can get out my materials? I was thinking I'm going to like grab a handful of business cards. And she goes, yeah, well, the room holds 450 and you have almost 300 signed up. So somewhere in between those numbers, you usually have people jump in that have a registered. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. And if I had, I'm like, I did not bring enough business cards. Oh, that's this. hysterical. Like, so very quickly, I'm like throwing together like, you know, mailship campaigns, like promotional stuff, literally the hour before, but it, it ended up well. But, oh, no. Um, but it was really great. It was a great experience. And like everybody was very receptive to the information. So, yeah. I love that. And you've been speaking all over the place since then. Mm-hmm. So Before and since, and yeah. yeah. I don't know if you noticed, I talk a lot and quickly and loud. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I so, don't know. <laughs> so yes. I don't even want you to cut this out. The guy doing the up, the guy <laughs> recording Brent is like literally laughing and also pulling his headphones <laughs> off of his ear. I'm trying to lean back. I'm trying to lean back. Anyone who has met me for 45 seconds knows this to be true, and I just own it. That's who I That's am. That's right. I mean, it's, 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 to the wall, four by four. There's no, there's no low. There's no, Mm-mm. you know, low speed. It's 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 boom, yeah. and that's what you get. Yeah, I love that. It's very true. I also love that you're you're brave enough because what you experienced mm-hmm. with the previously with your your former career, that is more normal than than it's not. So normal. It is so normal, and most people don't. Take that time to to find that next avenue, mm-hmm. to find a way to change the 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 projectile of their life so that they can yeah. do what they are meant to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and That's it's scary. It's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. And and we 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 are our own worst enemies by telling ourselves that you know we have responsibilities, mm. we have to do this and that and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And again, you don't need to be stupid, but you still need to go out there and make it happen. Yeah. Find a way to make it happen. And you did, ma'am. I did, yeah. Well, and you and know. And you rocked it. Thank you. <laughs> 
I didn't. P.S. Like this is the very concise summary of what happened. Oh, like this she, is not the like. Oh yeah. You rocked it. I'm gonna take that and run with it. But oh. there were a lot of stumbles along the way, <laughs> and I think uh, I was talking to um, uh, my friend Leah today, and she also has a podcast, and we're we're talking about doing a special content project for okay. that. Um, and it really is about stories as well. It tends to have you know more of a female entrepreneur's um, uh, focus, but really great content. And she was she just got started in April, and she was talking about you know this other podcast does this, and you're all over it, and brought, and it brought to mind this really great sort of concept, which is don't compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter twenty. Hmm. And I think that is a hard thing again with that mental health focus is that comparison being the thief of joy. So many people, you know, are in this this bad life situation, and it's not that. That's not your life. That's not who you are. That's the situation you're in right now. And you can change that. But if you just sit and compare your worst moments to the social media, everybody's highlight reel, or like that person's been in it for five years. I've been doing this for over five years. And so like people, you know, I'm still a small business, but Mm -hmm. like I've had people come to me that are just starting and they're like, oh my God, you're amazing. You're blah, blah, blah. And every time that they tell me you're everywhere, your stuff is great, I go, yeah, I'll let my team know you said that. Right. And they're like, oh, what? You don't do any of that? Like, full transparency here. Like, yeah, like, I have a full team of people. It's not only what my business does for other entrepreneurs, but, like, I ain't nobody got time for that. Like, I don't have time to be posting on social media all the time and writing all the blogs and sending and designing all the emails and writing all the, like... I always want to be careful when I'm telling people my journey. Like, there are caveats to that. Like, what you see, this little, you know, this package on Instagram, that is, it takes time to put that together. But I have help because I'm five years in. I wasn't that, it didn't look anything like that in year one. (laughs) It didn't look like this six months ago either. I mean, nobody did. We literally just redid our site at the top of the year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think most people realize it, but. I'm not sure they do realize that that what you see on social media is what people want you to see mm-hmm. on social media. You know, a company may may post a picture of their latest outing and they show, hey, we had so much fun at this thing yeah. and everybody's smiling. And, and if you know people at that company, then you might realize that mm-hmm. about three of those people are already gone. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. that's they just waited till <laughs> after the bonus checks that were handed out and at then, the picnic. So that, yeah, yeah, or just in general. Like I think that there's when you're talking about already gone, I almost don't even see that as a bad thing. You no. and I have had this conversation recently about. Mm-hmm. Transition, right? Yeah. I think one of the things that you were mentioning, people are, you know, in a position and they're miserable and they go, well, I have responsibilities. I have a wife. I have kids. I have, you know, a mortgage. I have things to take Mm -hmm. care of. I have 14 years in my career or whatever it is. Right. And they look at that as all the reasons that they can't make a move, right? Because they see moving or changing as a bad thing unless that change is like to the next greatest, like, Mm -hmm. penultimate, like... Change is not bad. And no. I think that that's part of that mental health journey is like you have to understand like when I left the city club and I took my next job, I cut my pay in half. In half. Mm-hmm. I took a 50% reduction in pay. And then when that job did not work out and I got laid off two days before Christmas, then I had nothing, right? And then right. I started working at like. I think it was like $18 an hour as a contractor for like part-time. They could only give me part-time hours. Like this wasn't 
you know, you call it a Cinderella, you know, Cinderella story, but she even had some, you know, some scrapes on her knee while she was running back to that pumpkin. So like, <laughs> there are, like, you know, there there are bumps. It's not this like really simple thing. So in our company, we try to be, I try to be very cognizant of, if this isn't the right fit for you, that's okay. Yeah. And not only is it okay, not like it's it's okay. I'm gonna help you find the right fit for you. So you know, stick with me while we're finding your replacement, mm-hmm. but I want to know what makes you light up. What's your story? Right. What's your passion? And I'm going to use my connections to help you find that because I'd much rather have somebody in the position that loves it and you somewhere somewhere you love it. And you're still saying wonderful things about me. Oh my gosh. And we yeah. and everybody leaves on good terms. Like that, mm-hmm. like, let's wait until everybody hates and resents each other. And let me write you up. We don't do write-ups. Oh my goodness. If you're having to write somebody, and I know that this doesn't apply for every business, it works for my small business. If somebody does something wrong, we're going to have an autopsy of what happened and see, are we giving you everything that you need to be successful? It doesn't always work. Some people aren't cut out for this work or home, you know, um, or like, uh, how do you, like out of office style environment. That's okay. But like, if we all are just adults and recognize it and say, hey, maybe this isn't for you. What can I do to help you find your next position? Right. That's a lot better than just like letting somebody go, ruin everything, kill your morale until everyone's just like, well, now I have to quit and that job sucked. Well, no, it didn't. It just wasn't the right fit. So like, I think that that's, we've put so much, like I said, stigma around. Mm -hmm. Once you have a job, you have to be successful and love it or everybody's mad and everything's failing. And it's like, no, like there's like infinite jobs and so many different personalities. Like find go find you know the round hole for your round peg right oh yeah it's it's so cool that way i i it well a couple of things you're absolutely right the um you create the the environment Mm -hmm. you do and what you've created may not be wonderful so go create it somewhere else but the the thing about you know it's not you know it didn't happen instantly no. Well, we're in Music City. Okay. How many overnight 20-year successes have you heard about? Yeah. Took them 20 years to find their right. their, their, their glory. Overnight. Exactly. Yeah. That's everybody earns it. Yeah. You just earn it. Yeah. Well, and I think that again, it's the it's little things consistently. And yeah, if you can, I mean, if you whatever. If I went out and like all of a sudden, Coca-Cola wanted to work with my company. They don't. If they came and like hired they me, should. we're like, oh, this is great. Whatever. We, I've had this conversation with some other people that have mm-hmm. marketing agencies because we do a lot of what we call cooperation. So it's yeah. cooperating with your competition. Yes. Um, you know. Um, and so, you know, we've had this conversation. I was having a really great conversation with uh, a competitive marketer. But while we were... Um, we were talking about our differences. How are you distinctly different and mm-hmm. how can we refer business to one another? And, you know, I was telling him, yeah, this is about the price range that our clients fall in. And he was like, oh, and he kind of looked at me. He's like, that's a lot lower than I thought it was going to be for like a monthly retainer. And I said, yeah, like we strategically serve small business owners. Like we develop packages mm-hmm. in the price range that small business owners can afford. And he was like, oh, and he sort of shook his head and like laughed. And I was like, what? And he goes, I remember when I was like at that price range and it was like, he's like 15 years in. He's like, that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I said, yeah, what are you at now? And he goes, well, we just signed a contract for like $2 million. And I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't want clients that are $2 million. And because 
they're going to take over the whole company. That all of a sudden It'll becomes. Sink you. That's yeah. Yeah, it's that's everything for your company. What I want is to be fulfilled. Everybody on our team loves that. Like when we take our client feedback about how much we're impacting their business, mm-hmm. and we share it with the team. Like we send it to everybody on the team. Like. That's the that's the feeling. That's the morale booster where we're all going. We each have a small piece of the puzzle, and when we put it all together, we're really doing something great that impacts somebody's life. Right. You know, small business owners like that's their life, and it's a smaller amount of money, but it means more to them because of the bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's a bigger impact. So, yeah. So, but the result of that conversation was now he, your oh. cooperation partner, has a place to send that smaller yeah. account. Yeah. And we do that with, I mean, we have referral partners all over the place, mm-hmm. but like, that's what we try to set up is like, look, I'm going to have people that I come across that are just bigger. We have it all the time. They'll yeah. come to me and I'm like, you're just too big. Like you need to go, here are three companies that I can refer you to. Go find one of my friends that yeah. you'll enjoy working with and vice versa. Hey, you're too small for us. Here's Piccolo. Great. Like, yeah. and then you have people out there that understand what you do to a nuanced level. Mm-hmm. And those sort of, refer- you know, you yeah. know how referrals are. Oh, exactly. Well, the best. I, I, I know. <laughs> the more they, they should be instant sales. I, I set a coffee meeting with um, a competitor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he sat down and he looked at me and goes, Tom, I really don't know why we're meeting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I looked at him. I said, why not? He goes, well, we compete on uh-huh. everything. I said, are you really sure? Oh, yeah. My objective here is let's lay your cards on the table. Here's what we do. There's what you do. Let's see where the overlap is. Mm-hmm. And let's see if there's a tolerance for that. Come to find out there was a, just a sliver of actual true overlap. Mm-hmm. And their appetite went one way. Ours went another way. We became great referral partners. Yeah. But their perception was we're in the same market. Right. And, and just had to get past that. Yeah. And that's something that I learned at the Southeast Business Forums. Yeah. Because like when Stu Ross would be like, yeah. are you actually competition? Like, well, we both do marketing. Well, that could uh, mean a thousand yeah. things. And totally. so, yeah. And so we probably have, I mean, easily, you know, six to 10 different marketing companies that like, oh, you know, you're writing a book, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to, you, or you have written a book and you want to promote that and go through the whole journey of the author. Like, that's not what we specialize in. That's what Stephanie Huffman at Epiphany Creative Services specializes in. Let me make a hand introduction. That's right. And like, I've gotten more thank you from prospects that are like, hey, thanks for just, being upfront about this and right. saying that this isn't your thing and giving me a connection, like rather than trying to sell business that you can't really execute because nobody wins then. Then you're just no. like, I'm sure I could figure it out, but nobody's going to be happy. No, no, you need to stay in your lane. Yeah. Now, we've mentioned the Southeast Business Forum several times. So Stu Ross came to Nashville and at the time there really wasn't much networking, mm-hmm. professional networking out there. Yeah. And so he organized the same type of format that he did back in California, mm-hmm. and it was called the Southeast Business Forum. And it was wonderful. Stu was great. I thought Stu was great. How many years? It oh, was eight, nine. It was quite a while. Yeah, yeah. that's eight. that's where you and I met. Correct. Even though I was at the City Club at that time, yeah, yeah. I met you in the forum. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, and, and Stu, I always and I told Stu this. I always, Stu would. Stu was an acquired taste for some people. A little bit like your Uncle Sid. You always invite Uncle Sid to Thanksgiving, but you never knew exactly what he might say. 
So I think that's fair. Don't you? Th- I mean, Sue would like I that. I don't have one of those uncles, but like, I think that's a fair, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Stu would appreciate that. Uh, Stu ended up closing shop and moving mm-hmm. down to Florida to take care of family. And I miss him every day. I, I, I follow him on, on social media and stuff. And every every year, I, I wish him a happy birthday via LinkedIn, which I think is hysterical. Nice. <laughs> and he always responds. So, but... um. But then when he left, there was a void in my mind yeah. here in Nashville. And so that's um, shortly in after. Yeah. yeah. In high-level networking. So that's when we started C-Suite. Yeah. And um, C-Suite is not the same model, but it serves the same community. I totally agree. Yeah. And as you know, I, we were just talking right before the podcast about, you know, I have my team, my C-level yes. team going. Mm-hmm. and. Um, People ask me a lot, especially because, again, I have a, a team of people that puts out in our social media and it looks like I'm out talking, but I am. <laughs> um, we do a lot of stuff, but I am very selective with my time. So as a business owner, somebody at that level, like I have to be really selective with my time and where oh, yeah. I network. And so like, you know, there are a lot of great networking organizations around town, but like I have a very specific target audience for not only the people that I'm trying to meet as potential clients, but also potential referral partners. And like, I don't usually find those people at like, you know, some of the, the more, um, popular, larger events, like, Mm -hmm. you know, things like the, um, like, you know, network after work and stuff like that. Like, those are really cool events. And they usually have, like, they're fun. And, like, I usually run into a bunch of people I know and things like that. But there's so many people. It's just a different networking environment. I usually can't have a real conversation or, like you say, really get to know anybody or what's on their heart or what makes them different. So, um, yeah, so yours is is literally the only networking organization that my company is a part of outside of the AMA. Right, um, which which you you need to be part of that. Well, and not only that, we, I mean, we do the marketing for and sponsor as a marketing partner for the AMA. So it's, it's really those two. And what we found is that that, that is the best use of our time, you know, because it has that, that structure to it. That's what Jessica, our operations manager went to her first one this morning. And she was like, the structure was really cool. And I met so many great people. It's just a different level of of networking. There's two reasons to network. One is to build that, that referral base, that, Mm -hmm. that connection, that professional network. The other one is why you're part of the AMA. It's to project influence. Because mm-hmm. the number one rule of having influence is to be present. Mm-hmm. So you have to be present in an industry that you are working in. Yeah. So it's important to have that presence there. So, yeah, you're spot on on yeah. both accounts. Well, and it's, again, when you have that limited time, like, yeah. it has to be designated to the things that, like, you know you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Not really just that ROI, meaning, like, oh, I come to a C-suite event and I always sell a new client. Like, that's not it. It's what mm-hmm. you just said. It's, yeah. is this raising my profile in the market and am I making quality connections with people that are going Correct. to, in the long run, increase? And that, that always happens. Always. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey. Thanks hey, for coming by. Hey. <laughs> we could talk all day long. We and, could really, and, yeah. And, and quite frankly, how quickly you speak, you could probably talk an entire day. Yeah, and, I could probably tell you like three more stories in the next four minutes if I you know, wanted me to. No. I know. Okay. And, and I'd be exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Brent's like, no, we're probably good. That's probably enough for you. Uh, that's, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. How many gonna, podcasts do you need, right, so, Tom? <laughs> yeah, no, all right, so tell me, um, how do people find you? Yeah. And you have not... Let me scold you. You have, I don't remember you mentioning the name of your firm. 
Oh my gosh, I didn't. I don't think you have, so you have to do that. You mean now. the whole world doesn't already know? No. But they should. Um, yeah, so my, my firm is called Piccolo Marketing. Um, and Piccolo, Piccolo is the Italian word for small. And so we are a small business helping small business owners, small groups of people. The word small is very ingrained in what we do. So it's piccolomarketing.com. And then if you want to reach me on all the social medias, I'm sure it will be in the podcast yep, notes because yep. ain't no one going to spell Anavia right on the first shot. <laughs> Nope. Um, if you want to, it is at, and then Anavia is A-N-N-A-V-I-J-A. Uh, so you can find me at all of those. And of course, Piccolo Marketing has their own social media and things like that. And then if you just want to get in touch with me directly, it's just hello at Anavia.com. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming by. Thank you, Tom. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. So the other day I had a coffee with a buddy of mine, Dave Tobin. He's the different type of insurance guy that you've ever met. He describes health insurance company as health insurance monsters. And every year they show up without any warning and increase your premium 10 to 15% for next year. And I think we all can relate to the insurance monster, you know? He strives to reduce the cost of the premiums by 10 to 20% without cutting your benefits. That's pretty cool. One of his clients actually received a refund check from the insurance monster for $85,000 based on what work that Dave did for them. So if you want to tackle that insurance monster, reach out to Dave Tobin. Our networking tip this episode is really how do you manage about going to an event? There are certain things that you need to just make sure you do. One is even though you're not taking anybody with you, your car needs to be clean. There's junk should not be in the floorboard in your car because people will see when you arrive and you leave. That car is a projection of how you operate and how you serve your client. If you show up in a junky car, they're not going to trust you with their products or services. So that's tip one. Second one is make sure you arrive early enough to where you can understand the lay of the land and know where you're going. Don't just show up and meander somewhere. You need to have a plan and a strategy. Again, that reflects on you and your service to your clients of how you conduct yourself in interacting and how you conduct yourself at arriving and entering the room, knowing what to do, how to follow up. All of those are a direct reflectionship of how you will serve your customer. So make sure you take care of those little things because people will respect you and understand if you're taking care of those little things that nobody is supposed to care about, but they do, trust me, then they'll trust you with the big things. That's our tip for the day. Hey, we also want to thank our friends over at I-65 Music. They're the ones that produced, recorded, and edited this episode. Nashville's only audio branding agency, 20 years experience in music and audio. They give brands and agencies that expertise needed to bring their companies and their brand's voice to the world. You know, if your company or your brand is, is looking to be more distinctive in its category and precise in its communication, then reach out to I-65 Music. Their website is I, as in the letter I, 65music.com, or you can also also email them at info at i65music.com. 
I hope that you enjoyed this story today. It, it, to me, the, the hearing from somebody's heart, how they achieved what's important to them, their passion, really, it tells me who they are as a person, and it helps me find success in other things as well. If you know somebody that needs to be part of our show, please let us know. And join us anytime you'd care to at one of our C-Suite events. Another thing that you could do to help us out with this is subscribe and also leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing right. Eh, we'll take the what we can do improve too because you don't get better without that. But please, join us each time. If you subscribe to it, you'll be notified every time we put one out. Thanks. Talk to you soon.